0: Hey there, folks. Steve Christensen here from the North American Ice Cream Association with the weekly ice cream podcast. Uh, This association is all about ice cream people helping ice cream people, and so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, Look, you want to talk family business. You want to talk history and legacy. uh, You want to talk to the Nashes? We have Cody Nash uh, on the line. How are you, Cody?
1: good good steve good to be here
0: my let me tell you your parents have done you a solid that name cody nash you could be <laughs> an action hero the milker starting Star. Yeah.
1: cody I've nash heard, i've heard bull rider as well so a lot of avenues <laughs> really? available
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> well if anyone's suited to be uh Bull riding, it's you, uh, mate. I really appreciate you coming on today. You've got a a fabulous history to your business where a lot of people, you know, when they're starting out in business, they kind of want to attach a story or a, some longevity uh, or history to a business. I remember talking to a gentleman once who um, opened up a relatively new ice cream business and it was named after his grandma. And he said, established in 1933. And I said, oh. has your business been around uh, that long? He said, well, no, that's when grandma was born. It's kind of a play on the <laughs> like, oh, I like it. Well, gee. Uh-huh. But the Nash wow. family creamery has the, actually a fascinating uh, backstory. Do you want to kind of touch on that mm-hmm. a little bit?
1: Yeah. So the, the origins of the business kind of date back to 1929 when our family started in the dairy industry. So that's kind of where we, trace our roots back to. So it was my uh, great grandparents that started uh, in 1929 in the Central Valley of California. So around mm-hmm. the Fresno area, and they began with a, a pretty small herd by today's standards. Um, a few years after starting it in 1929, obviously a great time to start business. Uh, all the cows <laughs> got sick and they had to start from scratch just a few oh. years after starting. So um The origin is is pretty tough right off the bat. And then their son Howard took over, um, who would be my grandfather, and he increased the herd about six times, like times six, to about 200 dairy cows. Um, Expanded the business, moved it to a a nearby location. um, And then he got sick in the 70s or 80s. And then that's where my dad entered the picture. He took over the business at the age of 20, came back from college early, uh, still in Central California, and grew. From 200 cows to 1,200 cows, built a bunch of new infrastructure, won a bunch of awards for quality, which is a big deal in the Central California market because it's, it's like the number one dairy or one of the top dairy areas. I don't want to make any Wisconsin people mad, but oh, right, <laughs> it's, one right. of the, it's one of the top uh, dairy areas in addition to Wisconsin. So uh, really, really cool that he was able to win production and quality awards. And then in 2013… Can I, can, I,
0: can I pause you sure. right there? Yeah. So- your dad, your dad grows up on the farm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He, go, he goes off to college. Mm-hmm. But at 20 years old, because his dad, your granddad, takes mm-hmm. ill. He's yeah. taking over the business at 20 years old.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was, was that his of... goal?
0: Did he have dreams of becoming an astronaut or something and thought, oh, i got to go back <laughs> to the family farm?
1: Or was it always going to be that way? No, he was always going to be a dairy farmer. He loves dairy cows. That's his passion. And he's, he's really good. I mean, he has what we call in in the dairy industry, a cow eye. So he can spot, Uh uh, he can spot, you know, a cow that's not feeling well or a cow on the other end of the spectrum that is feeling well. I mean, he can just read them really well. My sister has that. Um, So he was always going to do that. That's what he was in college for. So. Do
0: you have cow eye Cody? (laughs) Uh,
1: Mine's not as good. uh, So (laughs) I've, I, that's not really it's not really something that I have an innate uh skill for it's something that's been learned and it's still not that great My passion when it comes to the dairy farm is more of the farming and plants and right. uh crop production and stuff like that so right.
0: okay, uh, so your dad yeah. comes back from college he's twenty years old he takes over mm-hmm. this uh this the heritage primarily
1: mm-hmm. of of
0: the family business and grows it um Involved.
1: yeah yeah it, it really took off under him he he did a lot of different things um that were good for expansion um and really grew the herd size and, and brought it up to date with some technology back then um, mm. and some scale also so um but then yeah in 2013 um the decision was made to move to tennessee so south of Nashville, that's where we're located now um, in Chapel Hill, Tennessee. So we'd been looking for years. I mean, we looked at, shoot, probably 10, 12 different states outside of California to move to from the time I was in third grade to when we finally moved and I was a senior in high school. Gee. We had been we had been looking that whole time at, at different farms across the United States just because the California environment for business and for agriculture is just oh, f- terrible. So. Yeah. Um, 2013, we bought a farm, um, and converted it over. It was just like a row cropping, uh, horse farm. And then they also had some horses as well. Cause the area that we're in in Tennessee, it's big on walking horses. Right. So converted that farm, built everything from scratch and then moved. 1,800 head of cattle, some employees, equipment, the family, uh, all from central California to Tennessee. So uh, now please was, tell
0: me. I have in my mind the Nash family, all on horseback.
1: Yeah, I just driving <laughs> this
0: cattle across the country. Please tell me it. Uh. That's exactly
1: what it was. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they made a pit stop. The cows did in uh, San Antonio and got a break there, um, and then loaded back up. And they all did really well. They all did really well. So, um, yeah. It was something I was only a senior in high school so I wasn't really involved in that process yeah um, but looking back at it now being a business owner uh, kudos to my dad for being able to pull that off because he was running two dairies in two opposite states across the country while also moving them so uh, that was a pretty incredible feat from any business perspective
0: absolutely
1: so yeah. what uh what does the Nash uh, farm look like now um so we mailed the same amount of cows we wear in California it's all Holsteins and jerseys um we milk 48 at a time um it's located uh in Chapel Hill Tennessee so we're 45 to 50 minutes south depending on the traffic uh, that you have to deal with of uh, Nashville so uh we're close to Murfreesboro Franklin uh Tullahoma Shelbyville so it's just a booming area there's people moving in every day mm. it's Just, just in 10 years, the area has changed so much just because so many people are moving here, um, but it's a gorgeous farm, uh, really great place to live, raise a family. So, I mean, it's, it's home for sure now. Well, mate, that's fabulous. Um, and so how many, how many head of cattle do you have? Uh, all in all, including like milking cows, dry cows, heifers, calves, it's probably around 1800.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you've got a unique situation, and I do think that, I mean, it's not a massively growing segment, but we have more and more of, uh, I don't know whether you'd call them homesteaders or um, wh- wh- whatever the term is, um, you know, the, the dairy farmer that's actually making their own um, their own ice cream with their own product, growing in the association. Um, yeah. And there yeah. might be, I don't know, seven, eight, ten, I don't know what it is, but... Um, it is a great dovetail if you will from hey we're, we're here we're at the source we're almost farm to table when it comes to um mm-hmm. ice cream production and so forth um and it's quite common in the UK i've actually been quite heavily involved in the uk ice cream industry and there there is a lot of um dairy farmers out there that utilize ice creams and creameries to Um, to make ice cream, but it's, it's not as common in the U S. So can you kind of just go over the process of in your business, what kind of cow to cone actually means?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of origin from dairy farmers wanting to create a brand for themselves. Most of the time when dairy farms, uh, and we still do to a large part when they're producing milk, it's just shipped raw to a buyer. That's, could be, it could be making a ton of different things. It could be powdered milk. It could be right. fresh bottled milk. You know, the list is almost endless. So there's just a movement in the agriculture community for people to start branding their own products, to add some revenue to the family and the farm. Yep. So yep. that's, that's, that's the route that we decided to take. And I think a lot of other people are seeing that it's a, it's a way to diversify into something that's not quite as cutthroat as the dairy industry, that you're essentially dictated your price versus um, being able to set your own prices and make your own product and see that, see that product all the way through to the customer's hands. So. Right.
0: And what uh, percentage when you're uh, milking, what percentage of that uh, milk is going into your product versus still going out to, uh, to the supply chain?
1: Yeah, it's still it's still very small the amount that we use ourselves, yep. and that's that's actually all going over to our cheese plant. Um, so oh. it's it's still very small because we're making we make four tankers every three days. Uh, right. So it's it's just a lot of milk. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a yeah. ton of ice cream and cheese. So it's still pretty small, but it's it's been successful even though it utilizes uh, such a small percentage of the milk we're actually producing on the dairy.
0: And tell me, um, you've you've only just started the ice cream process
1: in um Tennessee, correct? Yeah. So it was something we started here, I guess it'd be about seven years after we moved okay. um here. So it started in September 2020, which was uh hindsight a really great time to start a business because we were kind of <laughs> we were kind of emerging out of COVID. So people were really looking for something to do that wasn't in a city center. Yeah. So yep. we were we were it. Like people were trying to get out of congested areas and try to get, you know, go back to their roots of where food comes from and, mm. uh, really connecting with the outdoors and our creamery is situated right on the corner of our property. So like I'm sitting at our, our bar top right now, looking out at the farm. There's, you know, there's no houses in sight. It's, it's a really gorgeous view and it's, uh, it's, it's really accessible from a lot of those city centers that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So it's, it's a real easy day trip for a lot of people. So that ended up uh-huh. being great timing with, with people being forced back to that route right. from COVID. Tell me, um, are you batch freezing out there? We are, we probably use an Emery Thompson and mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, we make it five gallons at a time. Initially I was like, man, that's a lot of ice cream for a batch. And now I'm like, <laughs> I need a couple of these things or at least the bigger ones. So yeah, right. batch freezing it. It's a, uh, I guess you could say a Philadelphia style. So then we hard freeze it afterwards. Yep. We have uh, two walk in freezers that are negative 17 and uh, temper it back up and scoop it from there. So, and how many
0: flavors do you typically have on hand and and, uh, in production?
1: Yeah. So we've since opening, we've probably, I think we've broken 60. Probably headed towards seventy pretty quickly of different flavors that we've made, but at any given time we offer twenty different flavors.
0: Right. It it is a beautiful building. Was that building purpose built for a creamery?
1: No, it was actually it was a piece like an acre piece that we didn't own on the corner of the property, and Hmm. it was uh, a lady and her 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 husband that worked on his diesel trucks and what is now the creamery. So we bought it and then remodeled the, the. Shop the diesel mechanic shop uh, and made it into the creamery. So I think yeah. it's fascinating, so, <laughs> even just the
0: origins of some of the buildings. I was in mm-hmm. Scotland um, uh, earlier in the year, and the uh, we're visiting an ice cream business, same kind of business. You know, they're milking on property and using. Uh, their okay, car. and where the customers sit is in kind of like a circle, circular eating area with a pole in the middle. And that used to be the pole that they used to hook horses around
1: <laughs> to walk
0: around to drive the mill. Um, yeah, huh. the history that's uh, the history that's in these places is almost as fascinating as the ice cream itself.
1: Um, yeah, you'll learn about fascinating. Dairy farmers. What's that? Oh yeah, you'll learn about dairy farmers as they're they're really good at, at repurposing and reusing stuff out of Absolutely. necessity and need. So even going around like a dairy farm, you'll see stuff just like laying around and it might look like junk, but they can typically make it into something that's usable. So rarely does anything go to waste or something not utilized at some point.
0: Yeah. So. Mate, I wanted to talk an incredible story and I noticed, yeah, fantastic website. You can tour the farm. Um, There's kind of so many things. Looks like you've got a wholesale business as well. Who do you wholesale to?
1: Yeah, so that's that's been something that's grown a lot over the last year and a half. Um, So there's, I mean, it's a it's a mixed bag of people that we sell to. We we got into some larger chain. We got into a larger chain Publix. Uh, We have a few stores with them, Uh, Mm. but really our bread and butter is a lot of other local small shops that move a ton of product. Like when it comes like but like local butcher shops or uh, local farm stores. Uh, that's really our bread and butter. Um, Mm -hmm. We do some tubs with some uh, higher end restaurants, stuff like that. And they, they move a lot of product as well. Um, A filling machine. And then we have a, we just got a tub building machine as well for cardboard tubs. So that way we don't have to worry about tub deposits and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, that's been a really great uh, segment to add to the business just because it's, I don't see it as a, as something necessarily we can lean on because I think that makes you lazy from a business standpoint, but it's kind of an insurance policy. If the weather's really bad, January, February, we really can't do revenue like, like retail revenue. Right, it kind right. of acts as an insurance policy that that, that wholesale business might still be moving products. So it keeps cash flowing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, we talk to people a lot about the process of, you know, growing your business and honestly, For a lot of ice cream shops, it's a very, very difficult environment now to just kind of open up a retail shop and say, cross fingers, hope this works. Um, (laughs) And and I think there are other, many other avenues now that perhaps weren't even available 15, 20 years ago, so far as Mm -hmm. markets, wholesale, co-packing, catering, events, kind of thing that you're right. It does kind of steady the ship so far as revenue, particularly when we have got such a um, a seasonal business model
1: um, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree, mate.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about this process of i guess a little bit of legacy because um the 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 generational business that you're in is just incredible it's and unfortunately um it, it's harder and harder to find, but also this balance of the family business. I mean, I'm assuming that, you know, the large bulk of your time, your, your parents' time is kind of in the family business. Um, mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how the Nash's um, kind of, you know, get the most out of their business, work well, and still remain friendly around the table at Thanksgiving. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I've just come to learn it's a, It's a balancing act when you're working with your family to uh, to treat them as family, but then also that everyone's on the same page that it's business. And sometimes there's some tough decisions that need to be made where uh, you might be in disagreement, but you have to just make those tough decisions. And it's just it's kind of a learned skill I've I've come to find. Right, Um, but. Well, it's necessary. It certainly builds character and, uh, you'll find that, you know, working with family, there's, there's a, a, a loyalty and a, and a work ethic there that it's, it's hard to duplicate through a, mm-hmm. a hired employee. So there's certainly some benefit to that as well. Yeah. Um, among other things. So
0: do you have, uh, I'm assuming you have non-family members working in the store, um, mm-hmm. so far as kind of, you know, coming in, doing shifts, um, what's the yeah. i guess dovetailing in so far as um because i have i've worked with some businesses where you know it's kind of seven family members and one non-family member employee <laughs> and they really you know want to make sure that the same culture the same feeling the same passion is instilled in the non-family employees as uh with the family employees do you find that that's a challenge or what's the process in that?
1: Uh, no, honestly, we have a, a really good set of employees. We have probably approaching 30 since we're kind of ramping back up for our mm-hmm. summer business. And I, I really try to focus on, on company culture and make sure that everyone feels included and to, and to dish out a lot of responsibility because I, I feel like it makes people care. So right. I'm, 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 big on delegating tasks to people and, uh, giving them some autonomy yeah. uh, to run their own segment of whatever they've been delegated for. And it, it just builds uh, some loyalty and sense of belonging to the employees. And we have a pretty low turnover rate and we have, we have people that stick with us for years. Uh, have stuck with us for years. Our manager has been with us since uh, pretty much we open, um, but she does a great job among other, uh, other managers that we have. And we're, we're st- we're blessed to be located close to three high schools. And since we're in like a rural setting where we don't have to compete with as many large chains to get yep. that that high school labor, yep. uh, which has been kind of a blessing and uh, it works out well for them because they don't have to commute a long ways into town uh, to get a, a, a job and they're, they're making pretty good money for what it's worth. So right. uh, it's a, it's a good symbiotic relationship for sure.
0: Yeah. I think that that's, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's hard for some people to let go of some of those tasks, and particularly someone who's building this business up from the ground is that. Well, you know, no one can make ice cream as good as me. No one can, um, you know, greet <laughs> a customer as good as me. But I agree a hundred percent in what you're saying is that if you don't give an employee any responsibility, and it's basically just blowing off three or four or five hours on a shift. There's no mm-hmm. emotional connection with the success of that business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you bring up a really good point so far as I call it emotional equity. These, these kids, these employees, are, they don't have money in the business. They don't have any kind of stake in the business apart from their time mm-hmm. there. But when you've got the opportunity to have someone say, hey, you know, I really contribute to this business. I, I have an emotional mm-hmm. stake in the success of this business. Um, it allows the business owner to step back a little bit and they can kind of concentrate on growth and some of these other things you were talking about. And, you know, not only free themselves up to do that, but have an employee that really is invested in the success of the business, which is rare these days.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm still in that term emotional equity. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's spot on. That's exactly, that's exactly what we try to build. So I'm glad to have a, a term for it now, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't I know whether agree. I coined it,
0: but um, I, I use it yeah. a lot because um, I think it's a principle that you know has just a lot of different ramifications for for good. Um, so, what's the future of uh, Nash Family Creamery? Is it going uh, to continue down the generations? Are you uh, um, you're kind of in it for the long haul, like Dad and Granddad and Great Granddad? Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's. Uh... Definitely, definitely keeping it in the family, uh, continuing growth, uh, on our retail and on the wholesale side. Um, me and my wife just had our first daughter this past December. So oh, fifth generations, fifth generations here. Um, so definitely thinking about stuff down the road. How does this, uh, how does this benefit her and our future kids and, and the next generation? I'm, I'm only 27, but I I feel like I've already had quite the blessed life. So it's, it's really just thinking about what's you know what's for the next generation, what's what's building so that that they can they can utilize this and be blessed by it the best that's that's possible. So that's Absolutely. kind of the focus. Sweet. Well mate, how yeah. do
0: people find out more about the Nash family creamery?
1: Yeah, so we have we have Instagram, Facebook, we started a TikTok recently. We'll see if that's <laughs> see if that's around for much longer. I don't know if <laughs> Uh, And then we have a a website. Um, There's some contact stuff on there. And then they can obviously visit us in Chapel Hill, Tennessee. If they're ever swinging through Nashville for all the different craziness that occurs there, we're not too far south. So
0: that's fabulous. Well, hey, I really appreciate uh, spending the time and story. I think that um, you have a very, very unique business and the the process of growth and family and uh, the, the time invested is fabulous. We'll put all of those links in the show notes here. Um, and look, if you're interested in uh, having your story featured on the Ice Cream Podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Info at icecreamassociation.com. And for everything about opening and growing your own ice cream business and uh, rolling it into a multi-generational, you can visit us at uh, or The website is uh, icecreamassociation.org. Hey, thanks again, Cody Nash. Um I think you need to trademark that name for something
1: yeah <laughs> for something spectacular.
0: I don't know what it yeah. is. Yet,
1: but I'll work on it. Uh-huh. Well thanks Steve. I appreciate the opportunity. It was great talking with you. No worries. Have a great day.